Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. If you lived in the first century, in the time of Jesus Christ, one of the things that preoccupied you, caused a great worry for you, was leprosy. And the scripture readings address that in the first reading as well as in the gospel. Now, leprosy was something that the people dwelt with during the time of Jesus Christ. But even before that, if you look at the first reading from Leviticus, Leviticus was written in 5 B.C., so during that time, they also dealt with the problem of leprosy. And even in our own day and age, you have Father Damien, now Saint Damien in our church. In the 19th century, he was sent to the island of Molokai in Hawaii you know, to deal with and minister to that leper colony there. Unfortunately, after a while, he contracted the disease himself and died from it. And so leprosy was something that people feared greatly and has been around for centuries and centuries. Now, leprosy, yes, it first starts out as a disease of the skin, as pustules, as well as sores, but then it gradually progresses. It attacks the organs of the body and it results in respiratory distress or cardiovascular problems. And ultimately, the person dies. Now, there is no cure. And see, the scripture readings essentially address just this. Now, if you go into the first reading from Leviticus, Leviticus tells us or it addresses how the Israelites are to treat people who have leprosy in their community. Essentially, it's a severe prohibition. Leviticus specifically tells us that lepers have to be ostracized from the Israelite community. Now, appreciate the context in which this is set in. In the ancient world, there is no social security. There's no Medicare or Medicaid. There's no social safety nets that we have in our country. And yet, Levitical law, now realize, this is the Torah. This is the law that God gave to Moses to give to the people. This is what the law said, how lepers are supposed to be treated. They're supposed to be kicked out of the community, ostracized. Such that what? The basic necessities of life was now incumbent upon the leper. They had to provide for their own food and water, their own shelter and safety. There was no social interaction between family members or friends. They were cut off from them. More to it, or worse yet, they could not worship God. They could not go to the synagogues or even the temple in Jerusalem to worship. It was like a slow death. Now, with leprosy came that physical suffering, but just as painful was the social and emotional suffering that was attached to it. Now, the first reading is a great segue into the gospel. In the gospel, we hear that story in which the leper approaches Jesus and begs to be cured. Now, Jesus cures the leper, yes, 
But in doing so, essentially, he teaches the apostles, and now us, a powerful lesson. The first lesson is that we have to realize many societies and cultures, especially in our own day and age, they define or identify themselves through exclusion, through ostracization. They'll say to themselves, we know who we are because we're not like them. Well, God doesn't operate that way. In fact, God is just the opposite of that. Realize Jesus Christ is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He lives within a community, a Trinitarian community of love that exists between the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet that community doesn't define itself by exclusion. The community of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they don't define themselves by saying, we know who we are because we are not like those grubby human beings. No, not at all. In fact, just the opposite. God defines himself by including us, including us into his life, his perpetual life. And see, that's what Jesus is doing. Throughout his entire life in his ministry, Jesus is always gathering people, gathering them, you know, to invite them to share a life with him, a life that lasts forever. Now, if you look at Christ in his ministry, you could say Jesus goes to those people that are excluded, excluded from society, the sinners, the lepers, the sick, but he also goes to the righteous, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He eats with them from time to time for the express purpose of gathering, gathering all people. And that was his mission, to draw all people back to God, to create a community, a community that exists between us and God, such that it's not defined by exclusion or ostracization, but instead it's defined by inclusion, God including us in his life. Notice at the very end, after Jesus cures the leper, he says what to the man? Go show yourself to the priest. That's odd, isn't it? I think that is. You'd think you would say, well, go tell everyone what I did for you so that they may come to believe who I am. Now, why does he say that? Well, remember, the leper was ostracized from the community and couldn't worship God. Well, now, now he can go and offer right worship to God. Now he can go to the very place that once kicked him out in order to worship God, the synagogue. You know, in so many ways, this leper represents all Catholics in our present day and age that have wandered away from the church. And see, that's why our parishes have embarked upon this evangelization mission. Our evangelization basically stands on three legs. One, to come to know the faith better. Two, to have a greater opportunity to live it out. And three, to invite, to draw people back to God, which is continuing the mission of Jesus Christ in our church. Now, it begs the question, why? Why have so many people left our church? I've given you often that Pew Research report that came out about two or three years ago that said now 75% of all Catholics no longer practice the faith, no longer attend church on a regular basis every week. Well, why is that? Well, there are many different reasons. Socioeconomic, political, theological, 
the priest-pedophile scandal. But what's worse is that these people are not worshiping God properly. Now, you say to yourself, well, what does that mean to worship God? Well, worship means to order our whole life to our living God. Our thoughts, our words, our deeds always are geared towards God. More to it, and this is probably the most important, when we come to worship God in the church at Mass, we come to know what we are all about. We come to know our own identity. St. Augustine once said, you can know the character of a society or a culture based upon one question. You know, what does that society or that culture worship? And that's pretty powerful when you think about that. I'll give you a great example of that. Look at the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire throughout world history for very several centuries was the most powerful empire in the entire world. And yet it fell. Why? Because of what it worshipped. The Roman people worshipped these false gods that were vain and petty and violent. And what happened? The Romans themselves became vain and petty and violent. Essentially, the Romans became what they worshipped. And yet that's not true with us as Catholics. We worship the one true God, Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, such that Christ is in our soul and draws all the elements within each and every one of us together the elements of our will, our passion, our intellect, our mind, our soul, and our heart. See, God draws all those things to him. And see, when those elements are rooted in Christ, then we have purpose and meaning in life. And yet, when one of them strays and wanders off like this leper, they have to come back in order for us to truly have purpose and meaning in life. When they wander off, that's when our life seems off kilter. Our mind is secularized. Our will is cut off. Our intellect strays off course. If just one of these elements wanders away, then for some reason our life just doesn't seem right. And those elements have to come back to Christ. I'll give you some examples. Say our mind and our intellect are in a community rooted in Christ and yet our will wanders away, well, then it affects our desire for holiness. Or maybe our will and our mind are firmly rooted in Christ, but our intellect wanders away. Well, now that affects the knowledge of our faith. We may not know the faith very well. See, if any of these elements wander away, like the leper, they have to go back to Christ. Christ will welcome them back in. And see, when that happens, then we truly have purpose and meaning in life. Then we really glorify God. And see, that's what Paul is getting at in the second reading. When he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, glorify God. Well, everything that we do, whether it's the most important decisions in our life that affect many people, or whether it's the routine mundane things we do every day, for example, cleaning the house or doing the laundry, those things should always give glory to God. Now realize, the Greek word that Paul uses here when he says glory, he uses the Greek word doxa, which also, when translated, means light or to give light. 
Which means what? We allow God's light to shine in and through us, such that it draws the attention of God's presence in our life for other people. And in doing so, draws people back to God and to the church, continuing Jesus' ministry. And yet, when you think about it, that's so countercultural to what we have in our society. You know, at a very early age, we learned the art of glorifying ourselves. Just watch little kids. Little kids, whether girls or boys, they're constantly after their parents' attention. Look, mom, look, look at this picture I drew. Look, mom, look at the A that I got on this paper. Hey, dad, watch me ride my bike. Hey, dad, watch me throw this ball. Watch me jump into the pool. And yet, when you take your attention away from children, what happens? Well, they become very upset, don't they? And yet, it doesn't stop there. I think as adults, as adults, we do a better job at masking that. You know, we say to others, you know, look at the position I'm holding in this company. You know, look at where I am living in the house that I live in. Look at where I send my kids to school. You know, in subtle ways, it's the glorification of the ego. You know, we could say we shine light on ourselves rather than the presence of God in our life. But that cannot be. With us as Catholics, we have to let the light of Christ shine in and through us and touch other people. I'll leave it at just one last thought. Thomas Aquinas once said, the goal for every Catholic to be a saint. Well, that should be our goal, and we should all attain it. Why? Because the saints are ordinary people like you and I. They were ordinary people, but what made them saints is the fact that by thought, word, and deed, they allowed others to see the presence of God in their life. And in doing so, others were attracted to them and back to the church and to God. Well, we must continue just that. You know, we must allow that light, the presence of God in our life to be seen by all, in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. See, when we do that, then we too continue the work of Jesus Christ and the church, drawing all people back to God, such that we create a community, a community that does not define itself by exclusion, but instead by inclusion. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.